I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. I am Molly. And we love to watch. She's not sharing last names. I was, I was, uh, yeah, I know. I, we're derailing this. I'm like, is it good? What? Which last name is it going to be? I was excited. Uh, just Madonna. The yeah. the inspiring true story of a virgin who can't drive to a virgin who can drive. She's a virgin at the end of the movie. Oh, definitely. Mm, I don't think so. Uh, I, I mean, think, not a I, not a smooching virgin. I think uh, Paul Rudd got his whatever underage loving in. The I weird thing is, he so. would have to get his. <laughs> theoretically, they could have the same person sign off. On. <laughs> all right. Yeah, we're gonna get I don't into all like that. The direction of this. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a weird one. Uh, just we'll get there. We'll get. There. We'll get. We'll get there. Uh, yeah, where we love to watch a movie podcast. We pick a theme. Sorry. We I'm picturing Dan Hedaya just taking the two forms and just going, yeah, 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 yeah. Just signing them both without looking at them. You convince your own sister to marry you? That's good lawyering. Um, um, all right, where are we looking to watch? We We're a movie podcast. We pick a theme. We do movies over the course of that entire month around that theme. And if we remember, we compare and contrast. And it's a new month. It is, uh, we're, it's, it was supposed to be the end of the school year, uh, which it's not for most people anymore, uh, but we're celebrating May and school being out for, for many, many students, uh, by doing fancy high school. Well, what's fancy high school, you may ask? It is movies from mostly the 90s, one exception, where they have said a high school teen, Comedy dramedy that is uh, usually very loosely adapted, adapted, but loosely adapted from uh, a work of classic literature. So we are starting today with uh, Clueless, which is uh, adapted from uh, Jane Austen's uh, Emma. And we are also going to be doing this month, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You, which is adapted from Shakespeare's The Taming of the Shrew. We're doing She's All That, which is uh, adapted from Pygmalion by an author I'm forgetting. Uh, Pygmalion by Molly, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. One one name. Uh, do you remember who wrote P- Pygmalion, Peter? Uh, yeah, George Bernard Shaw. Great job. Uh, and... <laughs> <laughs> you know. Great job, Internet. <laughs> did you did he look it up, Molly? We yeah, got a tablet. Okay. Of course he did. Uh, all right. Well, I appreciate that. Um, she narked on me. Yeah, thank you. If you if you even when you're not a guest, Molly, if you could just look tell me <laughs> as much as possible when he's looking you. up information. Yeah, I'll let you know. Um and then uh we are also wrapping up with Easy A, which is an adaptation of Nathaniel Hawthorne's Scarlet Letter. I think that's Nathaniel Hawthorne. Mm-hmm. I read it when I was in 11th grade, but uh, yeah, so this is Clueless, uh, and we're joined by Molly, no last name, no known last name, uh, who, like who uh, is Peter's ex-girlfriend, current mm-hmm. wife. Yeah, I convinced my ex-girlfriend to come on the show. That's a hard up for guests we are. It's accurate. Yeah. And my current wife, which was a harder get. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but Molly's been on before. She guessed it for heavyweights, and uh, I I'm trying to think of some sort of th- thematic connection between the two, uh, and I can't. 
except that they both came out within a year apart of each other. So, Molly, welcome to the show. Why don't you, I guess, introduce yourself to our audience? Oh, okay. I am Molly. I am married to Peter, sitting here with me. We thought this would be a fun one to come on because... I think a lot of people in our generation kind of grew up on this movie. It's I have a lot of feelings. <laughs> and that is as much as I will say right now. Uh, so I'm actually what's interesting to me about this movie for you guys. So this feels a little bit like um, probably what like going back to something like Ferris Bueller meant to me. Like Ferris Bueller came out when I was three years old. I wasn't aware of it at that time. Uh, but, but a, you know, a few years later, as I got older, Ferris Bueller became like a high school comedy that I d- identified with. It was close enough in time for me that um, I didn't think of it as like a, uh, you know, there's some 80s stuff and throwback stuff. But it, it still kind of felt like a contemporary high school movie for me. Clueless came out when I was 12. Um, so I was I was sixth grade. Um, and I remember, like... I really wanted to see the movie. I I felt like it was uh, almost like contraband for me. Like, I didn't know what it was about. I just saw, I mean, I'll just be honest, I was 12. I saw a, a, a very, very pretty people on the, on the poster. Uh, I think I saw a preview and I was like, what is this? I really want to see it. And I ended up like, uh, I think, sneakily renting a copy and watching it in my basement at like three in the morning or something like that. But I really thought like, oh... Everything I'm seeing is super cool, and I imagine that if I'm in high school and I was cool, I'd be wearing these things, I'd be talking about these things. Like, it was uh, aspirational for me because I was of the age, and it was a hit movie that everyone was talking about. Now, both of you, I think, uh, I don't know if you guys are the exact same age, but I think this would have come out when you guys were five-ish, right? It came out in 1995, so Molly would have been three, and I would have been four. So your your Ferris Bueller math is uh is is pretty damn exact. When it came out, it wasn't a movie that either of us would have been aware of. Uh, and I don't want to speak for Molly, but I think uh, it, th- this speaks to what cable TV was like, because movies like this would stay relevant for years and years and years until like it would cross multiple generations. And so this became a movie that like I watched in junior high uh, on TV anticipating high school, sort of similar to John Hughes movies where I was like, this is what high school is going to be like, or like, uh, you know, I'm not going to have like rich friends like this, but this is what, uh, this is what some of the girls in high school are going to be like. And some of the guys are going to be like, or, you know, if I went to school in in California, this is exactly what everyone's experience would be like. Yeah. Um, Molly, did you just catch this on reruns on TV or did your older sister share it with you? Or do you remember? I don't remember seeing it for the first time. I feel like this for me is like the original mean girls in some ways. It's like sweeter, not quite as mean, mean girls. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's definitely something that you watch as as a young girl, I think, and you get this image of what high school is going to be like for you, and it's just going to be awesome. And newsflash, high school is terrible. It's terrible. For the majority of people. (laughs) It's Um, it's funny you compare it to Mean Girls because, like, 
even though Cher is portrayed as a as a really good person, and I, I don't see any real reason to to think otherwise. Um, <laughs> so insidious, like like the movie is very much from her perspective, and of yeah. course she'd be like, "Well, I, I saved that nerd's life, and this movie makes me look." In Mean Girls, it's very much about like a somebody who's rising through the social ranks, and so she gets a taste of everything, so she has perspective. Like it's it's funny that like. Um, mean Girls is like a way more cynical movie and it has perspective yeah. and this movie is a far more idealistic optimistic movie and it's but it's just set neatly within Cher's perspective but it also but that's very much just it, it paints a picture of rich and basically getting by by manipulating and being pretty essentially whereas I feel like movies today and this is likely a very good thing but movies today that portray high school i think have more female leads who are getting ahead because they're smart and good people and this is not what i was raised on as a young (laughs) girl right it's a totally different perspective and socially like and socially like the the concept that uh, our lead would be this relatable rich girl and all of her rich friends you know uh i think all of them are just like 8% 8% less rich, right? <laughs> um, and uh, the, the the idea that these are all just like the high school elites, they go to this like uh, highfalutin elite uh, high school in LA, all of their lives are glamorous. Everybody that doesn't fit within that kind of mold is, uh, you know, not necessarily going to run in their circles. Uh, the the hierarchy is, is inarguable, right? Like they do a similar thing they do in Mean Girls where there's like a... Well, those are the guys you're allowed to date, the high school guys that are allowed to date. And these are the, what was it, the the Persians that um, unless you're rich and Persian or whatever, you can't hang out with them. They do a little bit of that, but it's not like the structure of the movie or the thesis of the movie. Mean no, and, 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 and I think there is a, yeah, Mean Girls is very much about like, hey, we, like it's, they are mean. Everyone in that school is fucking for the most part mean to each other. I, I can't imagine being in an age where, like, Mean Girls would have been aspirational for me for high school. It probably would have been like, oh, shit. This seems, <laughs> this seems terrifying. Where in this movie, which actually, like, relates to the other thing that I saw as, like, what high school was was probably like and I couldn't wait to get there, which is Saved by the Bell, um, which Peter has never seen an episode of. Is, nope. Uh, is that true? Yeah. <laughs> we talked... We talked about it in some episode. I could not believe he's never seen any Saved by the Bell in any capacity. That but feels similar to- unreasonable. But sim- yeah, thank you. <laughs> I mean, you you control the TV sometimes, so I'm assuming that you could make him watch yeah. it. It is we'll, on the we'll Voodoo account, this. Molly. We'll handle it. Similar to Full House, uh, it's it's a it's a show that I've seen a lot of Full House, but uh, similar to Full House, it's a show that I think you absorb even without seeing it. Like, yeah. There's like uh, the two hot guys. One of them is like an e host now, and one of them is a uh, yeah. No, a big I'm... part of the show is how one of them's going to be an e host someday. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've definitely picked it up. I think. <laughs> and one of them, and Screech is like the annoying Urkel, and then there's like uh, he's friends with I don't know the principal. Like yeah, like I want to keep. Can you please describe what you think all the characters <laughs> say about the bell? I'm serious. I think this will be interesting. Yeah, if you could just describe it. That'd be helpful, I think. All right, so there's uh, what's the, the main one? What's the Zach. yeah? What's his, Zach is right? Yeah, uh, not Efron. I almost said Efron. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, basically, I'm <laughs> yeah. just filling in gaps. This is Mad Libs. Um, Zach is uh, probably he's not a jock. 
Is he? I th- uh, it depends on the episode. Okay. <laughs> what they need him to do. Because Mario but, Lopez uh, is the um, jock, right? Mario like Lopez is, is the jock, but yes, Zach It's def- not football. It's not football. Baseball? Do you know no. his name? <laughs> Slater. What's what's his initials? JC? No. That that is a member of J-T-T? NSYNC. No, that is a member of of the Tim Taylor's kids. Oh. Um of, of the Tim Taylor's kids. The, no, it's the Tim a, Taylor brood. Oh, yeah, uh, uh it's it, Tim Taylor. It's it's uh it's ACR stands for Albert Clifford. Albert Clifford. That is not a hot guy's name at all. So that's a joke in an episode that um, so what's what's AC like? You think? Uh, he's constantly, you know, doing fake outs, like doing like football fake outs, where he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you a hail mary," and then he does. He never throws the ball, <laughs> and then you're uh, just standing out there. Yeah, sure. That's that's you're just standing out there in the yeah, fields. He made enough. you run out there for no reason. Uh, most of the show takes place in the fields. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Peter, fields? Peter, yep, the show yep. takes place in the killing fields. I actually want to get back to something about Zach before we move on. Uh, yay or nay, Zach has uh, superpowers. <laughs> well, seems like a leading question. <laughs> <I'm just curious. laughs> um, I'm gonna go nay, so you can surprise me. No, it's yay. Do you know he has a superpower? Do you know what his superpower is? <laughs> uh, he can make direct eye contact with you for 15 <laughs> seconds and then tell you the minute of your death. I mean, he does make direct eye contact with you. Uh, Molly, do you remember what his superpower is? No, that's a very specific trivia question. Enlighten us. <laughs> I have no idea. He can stop time. He will sometimes on the show say time out. Oh, uh, okay. I didn't know we were counting that. I mean, I feel like uh, stopping time is a superpower. <laughs> um, that's valid. Uh, that's his. He would say time out and then he would address the audience. But to be clear... He could change things that on screen while everyone was frozen. So there's like, there's an episode where he's about to get punched in the face. He calls timeout, ducks out of there, and AC Slater punches uh, Mr. Belding in the face instead. He's a clock stopper? He's a clock stopper, yeah. What? Was he, was he a member of, was he, is he like the elder clock stopper in the film clock stoppers? You know what? I think oddly enough, he's not in the film clock stoppers. Jeez oh, Louise. Um, but all right. So, uh, Screech, you said he's the, he's the nerd. Yeah. I'm imagining his voice is screechy. Not really, but. Does he have a, a pubescent sort of crack? No. Uh, his voice is, his voice is not ideal. <laughs> no, it's not like a nice voice, but it's not like a screech. No, but that's what his nickname came from. I guess it'd be weird if he had like a deep baritone. <laughs> Sounded like Barry White. Yeah, Barry White kind of voice. That'd be kind of eerie. Actually. So can you name any of the female characters? Kelly. Mm-hmm. Please don't ask me to describe her. I'm assuming White. <laughs> Um. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's you have a sixty-six percent chance of being right. <laughs> uh, is there an Ashley? Nope. A Megan? Nope. No. no. This is this one is like. This is iconic. getting sad. Yeah. Here's a piece of trivia. Rosa Diaz from Brooklyn Nine Nine says she thinks she's hot when she's describing when she knew that she was bisexual. Oh. She said I was I was watching this and I was like, oh, yeah, she's really shit, hot too. Shit. 
I got nothing. 50% of the remaining ones were in a Paul Verhoeven movie. Yeah, I know one of them was in, uh, at least, wait, 50% of them were in Showgirls? Well, of the remaining two, yeah. Oh, the remaining two. I was like, no, one of them was, was, uh... Yeah, one uh, of them was bifurcated and half of her was in Showgirls of the three. (laughs) Uh, yeah, there's Jesse, who is the, um... Consopolis? Uh, no, that's from Full House. Jesse Spano. She was the one that at one point got addicted to pills, uh, caffeine pills. Oh, I've seen the YouTube video. Yeah, yeah. And then there's Lisa Turtle. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. Yeah. And then there's (laughs) Lisa Turtle who uh, Screech just kind of sexually harasses for four years, I guess. Oh, so Urkel. Yeah. So got it. Got got the same same quality. But uh, I was going to ask next, who is Screech sexually harassing the entire show? Yeah, it's it's definitely Lisa. Uh, And then occasionally there'd be an episode where Lisa like agrees to dance with him or something. Um, And then that's like the big uh catharsis i guess which only only feeds the incel engine it does yeah he i mean i think he became an incel in real life too so he is a real life screech oh boy (laughs) life imitates art imitates life but yeah these two did like the things that reminded me even though obviously clueless is much better written uh directed and acted movie they did remind me of especially at that age i think you know i started watching saved by the bell when i was like in fourth grade or something like that and then um clueless came out when i was in sixth grade it did have there's two things that it reminded me one one it had very clear like peer groups like there were there were popular kids. There was nerds. There was uh, stoners or in Save by the Bell slackers and stuff like that. Um, that you were in these groups, but the groups all kind of got along. Like some of them hung out more than others, and there was obviously rules about like you can't date a nerd or something like that um, or a stoner. But in general, they all were like. You know, high fives, we're all on the same team, we're all friendly to each other, we end up at the same parties, that kind of stuff. Uh, and the other thing that it they had in common was they had a very, um, I don't know, empowering or close relationship with a lot of their teachers and authority figures. <laughs> like, uh, Say by the Bell, obviously, they had schemes and would joke around with their teachers and Mr. Belding and, you know, try to get out, get better grades and scam this. And at the end of the day, they were all kind of friends and they all respected each other as human beings. And Clueless is, you know, the, there's not a principle, but they kind of, you know, the, the teachers, especially Wallace Shawn, are like, yeah, these kids don't always do the the homework right or have the same ideas but at the end of the day i you know they're they're just being kids and i'm a teacher and we're, we're gonna get through this together so um they both did that so that was like <laughs> those two things and i guess they both took place in california but yeah those two things really gave me a sense of what high school was like from like contemporary pop culture that was uh very prevalent when i was like a few years away from high school it's interesting that this movie uh, hasn't gotten sort of uh, caught up in the same um, hatred that Ferris Bueller has gotten caught up in in the past five or so years, where like people resent Ferris Bueller for being. And it's weird the culture wars that people decide to start fighting, where they're like, uh, they'll get mad at John Hughes because like all of his. Uh, 
his sort of Chicago suburb uh, kids are well off or their parents are rich. Um, it's like a weird culture fight that's like, I, I don't know why people think it's so worth fighting and worth fighting every like six months. Um, but the the Ferris Bueller thing, I'm, I'm curious why this movie has been saved from that sort of perspective because Cher similarly has free run of her high school, an incredible amount of entitlement. That entitlement is rarely challenged, if at all. And uh, I don't have a problem with that. But like the sort of uh, what I'm where I'm, I'm pointing is that you would not make a high school movie today. And as we'll see with like EZA and such, like they stopped doing this at some point, making our heroes um, the hot, popular, uh, rich kids. They just stopped. They stopped doing that for multiple reasons. I So I think the answer to that is relatively easy in that uh, right or wrong. Like, again, I think I think getting upset about um, – Ferris Bueller is a little bit of a waste of time. Um, <laughs> it's just, but but I I do think like Ferris Bueller as a character is a selfish asshole who does spends the entire movie trying to live his fantasy and drag other people along with him. Right. That's that's also the the Zach Morris. Right. He he takes advantage of people in in the in the guys of friendship or like don't you actually want it don't you don't you know what's good for you don't you want to have fun while still being kind of manipulative and an asshole again it's just a fun movie i don't have any serious problems with it but i like that's yeah, kind of that's his, there's like that's his character dynamic there where it's like no he's not listening to cameron's demands but also cameron is deeply deeply depressed and needs a friend to just be like you're getting yeah. out of the house today. We need to go on an adventure. Like yeah. he is teaching Cameron a lesson about taking life by the horns. Uh, if we ever do that movie on the show, we are not even humoring the fight club theory. No. And like, but then again, like, you know, it is the rich carefree kids who get out of trouble that like, that's why, even though, um, obviously I don't think election is a sequel to Ferris Bueller. Like, you can see a universe where a Ferris Bueller type turns into Matthew Broderick's character from Election because things do change as you grow up and you have you have bad marriages and you end up, you know, working at a school you hate and all these kind of things. Whereas we're clueless, even though uh, Cher is uh, a little bit self-absorbed. And I mean, at the end of the movie is her kind of recognizing all the ways that maybe her good deeds haven't always been good deeds and they've been selfish and stuff like that. But most of the movie is her at least trying to sometimes with success and sometimes without success, uh, help other people. Like she's I, selfless. Isn't quite the right word, but she is she isn't like how do i experience joy how can people help me instead she is looking for you know projects or ways to to give back and then near the end of the movie she kind of realizes that giving back is more than just um uh like hooking up your friends and and making someone who is not very popular popular but um you know, helping truly people less fortunate or stuff like that. Uh, and then she, of course, still does that in a very, like, uh, uh, share way where she's donating skis. But, like, her heart's in a good place, which yeah. I don't think is the same thing with Ferris Bueller, which is why I think uh, it has to have that. 
Yeah, I don't know. You could you, you could have an argument there. I think I think if we ever do the episode in the show, we'll have to get into it. But yeah, the the point is that like I think the movies are are, are more similar in than just the fact that they were high school movies about rich kids. Um, then uh, then it would it would let off. But the point you made about election is interesting because like we that election could be even even though I kind of disagree with you on Ferris Bueller a little bit, election could be. Ferris Bueller kind of washing out and ending up the sort of um, bitter, uh, entitled douche, um, and in his adulthood and everything that we find kind of like endearing about Ferris Bueller could be soured and poisoned. Um, but the, 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 the there's a lot in this movie that I find I find the cast of characters insanely charming, whereas on paper. They're the most annoying characters in film history. Like, they're so charming. But, like, think about how how rude they are to one another and the fact that, like, the central couple in the movie, their, their defining characteristic is they're screaming at each other in public constantly. And the fact that Cher is rich as shit and has no sense that, like, her screwing around with people's lives is, like, I don't know, maybe uh, self-serving or... Um, maybe it does not uh, always end well, will not always end well, I should say. Um, but the fact that they're kids is a huge component of that. Like, that's what makes it charming for me is that their shallowness and their sort of uh, half-formed personalities, that's how that's how kids are. They're, tr- they're trying on yeah. different suits to see what fits. I mean, the only kid, the only high school movie I can think of where the end of the movie... The point wasn't the protagonist learned lessons on how to be a better, uh, you know, teen to adult is we need to talk about Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) To be clear, he learns no lessons. Yeah. (laughs) This lesson is that uh, he didn't get what he wanted. Uh, Didn't he? I don't know. Uh, Yeah. So this movie's good. Uh, (laughs) uh, Molly. Did you so you you said that you found it kind of afterwards, uh, like Peter? Did you also think that this is what high school is going to be like, Ooh. or were you smarter than us? I definitely went to high school with some girls who think that was exactly how, that that it was exactly how it went for them. I went to school with some girls who came from a lot of money and would you know, crash their Audi after five days of having their license and daddy would just buy them a new one. Um, so I, I can't honestly say that it isn't like that for some people. I do think that some people at that age live in that, in that world. fantasy land for a period of time. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that I ever felt like high school let me down. I was very appreciative to kind of fly under the radar in high school. I had a good group of friends. We weren't popular or unpopular i think we generally got along with people and i was very comfortable there um and uh-huh. if anything people who lived the share lifestyle made me very uncomfortable <laughs> and if you had say crashed your horse your parents would not have bought you a new one if i had crashed my horse i would yeah i would be working extra shifts at red robin to buy myself a new one. Hoping that someone brings in a horse you could steal. (laughs) (laughs) Now, ma'am, I had a lot of bottomless fries. (laughs) Uh, 
you obviously watched Saved by the Bell too. So, do, what did you have? Was pop culture that much of an impact? Of like, uh, one thing Peter and I talk about on the show sometimes is that we we don't always align with this idea that pop culture does not have an effect on the way people think, um, which is a very common thing. It's usually discussed mostly when it's like some stupid conservative politician is like railing against gun violence or something or railing against uh, teenagers watching certain movies causing gun, gun violence. And there's a lot of people going, you know, right, rightly, there's no evidence that links this to that. But uh, I think sometimes that makes a lot of people take a very like blanket, like the movie, like, people aren't actually influenced by the movies that they watch into like how it shapes their reality. And one Peter and I talk about occasionally on the show, uh, that, yeah, I think it, I think for some people it does probably shape, uh, expectations or, or, or other things a little bit. So, um, did you have that with, with any movies? Were you like, or were you just like, oh, yeah, whatever high school ends up being or junior high ends up being, it's fine. But, but separated kind of your expectations from the the stuff you were watching at that time. Ooh. I don't know. I do think I resonated more with 10 things I hate about you in that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, because Heath is a total dreamboat and just because (laughs) she's really badass. I think I was drawn more to those types of characters when I was young, but I absolutely think movies like this change the way that people speak right a lot of yeah. uh, the language that comes up i think the way people dress they're absolutely in some ways it's like which came first shares style or what we know to be 90s fashion right? <laughs> yeah um I oh think yeah it, i think oh, it goes yeah. both ways but um i think the influence is there i don't know that she she was never my hero i'll put it that way i don't she- remember ever being like i'm gonna grow up and be just like Cher. so you were you were julia styles in 10 things i hate about you I think that's a that makes sense. Did you did anyone ever sing Frankie Valley to you over a loudspeaker? Um, no, unfortunately. So maybe next week we'll make Peter watch Saved by the Bell. Yeah, I failed <laughs> as a husband. Sorry. He can sing to me from the stage. <laughs> yeah, I mean you can't go too far from your house in case you someone else is around. Yeah, uh, well he, that's the thing is it'll really it'll be a lot easier if I'm avoiding uh, embarrassment. Um, it's it's also a lot less romantic. Yeah, you're like, I wanted to sing this song to you in a public area, but damn COVID restrictions. <laughs> since I have to I have to sing it in my house to you. So just uh, picture that this is really embarrassing. And you I get super weird. You probably pleasure. have time. Yeah, you could you could be probably you probably have time to like make cardboard cutouts of fake people and put them around your house like a fucking serial killer. <laughs> and then, and then uh pete why don't any of them have eyes because <laughs> they just need to hear it's a song i'm singing <laughs> i don't want them looking at me <laughs> so one thing let's uh before we get into the movie proper there's a part of this movie that when i first saw it didn't seem that weird and actually for most of high school didn't seem that weird because it was a very common thing as i'm watching it as an adult i was texting peter that uh, yeah, I like. I don't know how old Paul Rudd's supposed to be. I kind of got twenty to twenty-two vibe. If not, like he's in grad school. <laughs> it's because Paul Rudd eternally looks. 30. I know, but he's also like doing lawyer stuff. So you don't do that if you're a freshman. And Cher begins the movie at fifteen and ends at just turning sixteen. And Paul Rudd does seem old, like maybe like. 
three to four to five years older, which I mean now just seems super weird. But as I was as I was remembering, like there were a ton of like the cool popular girls in high school that I knew. And a lot of them had college boyfriends, which in high school seems like a little bit of like, of course, like she's so pretty. She's very smart and sophisticated. Uh, all these, uh, you know, of, you know, it'd be nice if she dated one of us high school boys, but obviously not because <laughs> we don't have access to cars and our own apartment with their other cool friends. And, you know, it seemed like something that was super cool and sophisticated and like and 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 like that and then you get to college and then you you like start meeting people that are 19 and have high school girlfriends and you're like oh you are the creepiest weirdos (laughs) Um, like you live with two stoner friends and your 16 year old girlfriend comes over to smoke pot like like you are you should be in jail i think it's oh yeah you're not like i just the idea i remember i knew a kid when I was 20, and tw- I mean, 20 and like 17 or 18 isn't that big of a difference, but we were juniors and he couldn't do something one night because he was going to his girlfriend's senior prom. And I remember thinking, like, you should have to register as a sex offender. <laughs> like, it's so weird that you have a senior prom to go to. And you know, it's that thing that happens when you're in college. Like, you're a freshman. You don't feel like the other people are that much older than you. And then, like, by the time you're a sophomore and you're, you're a junior and you're walking around campus, um, you can tell who the freshmen are. Same thing when you're in high school and you're a senior to sophomore or freshman or something like that. And so, yeah, it, it did always feel like when you met those people, there was a little bit of, oh, yeah, of course you're dating a high school person. <laughs> like, uh, so, yeah, it's – it's uh, it's weird. Uh, and again, felt uh, I, I had two very different perspectives of what that was when I was in high school and then when I was in college. Yeah. And so, like, I because Paul Rudd is living in the dorms and a couple other clues, um, and the fact that he's still deciding, like, what he wants to do, like, all, all of that implied to me that he's like 18, 19, mm-hmm. um, which is still obviously still like 16 to 18. It's like. But he's like in college. Like, starts starts at fifteen. I think that's important. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and the and the whole you know step sibling thing. We'll get into that. Um, <laughs> but the, let's talk about the age difference. Let's assume they're uh, completely. You're completely fine with the fact that they uh, technically share a, a father dash stepfather. Um, the the six. Hold on. I don't think it's just, a father. So I think it's very clearly a stepfather. I think this movie gets super weird if they share a father. That's what I'm saying. It's her father and his stepfather. Okay. Did you want me to say father and stepfather relatively? Is that cleaner for you? Yeah. They, I mean, they're just step siblings. Yeah. They're not like yeah. half siblings. We can get. We'll get. We'll get back to that part. Let's. Let's. Stick yeah. To the... I understand that. Like. Technically, certain states have like windows of time where it's technically not illegal or whatever. Like whenever anybody gets into the legality of this shit, it's always like, no, 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 you're missing the entire point. It's the ethical point that this person is far, far more vulnerable than you. And you're definitely it's going to feel exploitative no matter what, even if it is, even if it is true that like women are kind of forced to grow up faster than men. Um and are more mature than men at an earlier age, it still feels exploitative because this is like 
somebody in the middle of high school. Like they haven't decided their what college they want to go to or what they want to do with their career at all, let alone, you know, uh, are ready for like adult relationships where you're the expectations are very different. I don't know. Molly, what'd you make of this on this watch? I had to pause several times and react because I haven't watched the movie in years and <laughs> agree that I had very different feelings than when I watched it as a kid. I had to think about this a lot. We talked for a very long time about the age thing and what is acceptable by our standards, <laughs> recognizing that the law also has standards. The law also doesn't matter in a sense. So you guys like... pause this movie to have a oh, conversation yeah. about... Uh, oh, for sure age of consent laws yeah we just so because it was because it was getting in the way of like oh the, the consent part was just like more of a, a i feel like a um conversational tactic to get at what our real point was which is like is this is this creepy because it is standing in the way of my full enjoyment of this <laughs> that sort was, of meat, that this was where it came from was like when i used to watch this this was a really charming moment and i don't feel charmed right now and i think i decided where i stand on this which is if you were dating in high school, even if it's like senior and a freshman, which at that age is weird. I think if you have that relationship in high school and then one of you goes to college, that's way more normal in my mind, which I think Aaron kind of connects to what you're saying, which is to like actively pursue a high school student <laughs> yeah. once you're in college seems very unreasonable. Like you have a world of adults to pursue and he appears to already have a girlfriend and 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 a world of adults that are literally like especially like 18 19 20 are spending most of their free time trying to meet other adults to to date that's why we were creeped i what this wasn't like because we got into it about the consent laws and then i'm like i don't even know if it's what if you're two years apart once one of you turns 18 is that illegal we we yeah. went down a real rabbit hole Certain but anyway states create take... like windows but it, it doesn't yeah. matter because the yes. ethical part is the more more important part right it's the concept that like it's more normal if that relationship is formed in high school and so i was creeped by Polly boy this time yeah um did you know anyone who like who who had like all of a sudden, a, a college boyfriend in high school, and you're like, "Where, where did you meet a college like in the mall? You met him? Like, <laughs> not, not that didn't start. Like at at the time, my boyfriend was two years older than me, and I that just really resonated the prom thing, Aaron, because my sophomore in college boyfriend did come to my high school senior prom, but we had been dating for years. Let me tell you this: even if you had been normal. dating for years, your sophomore boyfriend uh had a lot of his friends go what's he doing <laughs> oh for sure no i i see that now and i also fully recognize that that was probably not fun for him no like that's what a drag imagine yeah. going to real parties and then getting dropped in a uh high school like gym he went to college in new york city and flew to my tiny town in michigan to take me to senior prom i cannot think of a more depressing <sighs> Sentence. So is that where he went? Did you guys meet in that that little town in Michigan? At least no, we did not. That's a much longer story for a different day. Uh, that's fine. We don't have to answer now. But now I'm very interested in how you started dating someone in high school that lived in New York. We can, yeah. I, I'll tell the very short version. We met on vacation. <laughs> okay. When I was 13 and he was 15, and we were not in a relationship at that time. And we were good friends for many years. And then when I was 17, we, like, flew to see each other and dated for several years there. So we were actually never in the same state. 
So your parents let you fly to see your boyfriend in, uh, in from the Midwest to just the East. Like you went <laughs> middle yeah. to end yeah. in high school. Same yeah, time zone, he, though. He came to my family first. They they met him before I did that, before I was Got allowed it. to do that. And mind you, when I did that the first time, I was flying to, like, his family's house. I was staying with adults at the time, the, when it all started. <laughs> I think adults who are making some questionable decisions oh, on what's allowed. You know... <laughs> This is why I said it was a long story, Aaron. I know. I, yeah, I, it definitely, I mean, it's definitely not a story that someone walks away going, I have no further questions. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm definitely not going to weigh in on whether or not Molly's mother is rational. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just positioning what I know and don't know. As if I don't know it. As if I'm a listener in the podcast who would have no way to know uh, information like that. Good. That yeah. I, that is, uh, yeah, that is an interesting. Most people don't have that perspective in a uh, when it comes to uh, high school dating. And I will say, if that was in a movie, no one would believe it. <laughs> <laughs> also, also, can we clarify? This person was not your stepbrother. <laughs> this person was not my stepbrother. My parents were fine with it because <laughs> I was visiting college. <laughs> it feels also important to mention that this was not Peter. So. Uh, well, we, we know he was a Chicago boy. Yeah, both um, of those would be quite a twist. <laughs> Okay, that's fine. We can we can we can end this particular thread. Although I'm very excited uh, <laughs> that, that it led down there. So yeah, so here's the here's the separate thing. You're right. One thing that Molly had up on the Alicia Silverstone Paul Rudd situation is that uh, they they didn't have the same parents for any <laughs> length of time that we're aware of. Um, yeah, so they're also step siblings, which uh, for some reason that's another thing that didn't bother me. When I was watching this as a kid, it's like, well, they're not, you know, they're not related. Uh, little did I know that like 35% of the porn market would be all the, all the <laughs> porn futures have been Peter put said in, the exact same thing into yeah. the, into the step sibling market. Um, Why did they not just make Paul Rudd the cute neighbor boy? I understand they needed to give him a role that was a part of, you know, something that would make him very close with the dad so he could have involvement, but he could have easily been in a very non-creepy... The age thing would still stand. Yeah. The steps... The fact that they were raised to know each other, basically, as brother and sister, the, the blood relative thing is almost... Not yeah, why is he not the na- why is he not the hot neighbor or whatever that's home from college for spring break or whatever? Like, or her stepbrother's he friend that's always he, around yeah. and has or been around to, since they were kids or something. Or yeah, yeah, he's he's uh yeah he's he's mowing the lawn at his dad her dad's house or whatever. Like, why couldn't it be like a fairly innocent sort of connection? Instead, it adds all this baggage and it's such a specific choice that and I wasn't able to parse. I wasn't able to parse what it added other than uh, a second layer of confusion on whether or not this was a sweet love story as I had taken it. <laughs> um, yeah, I do. Uh, I do wonder. I don't think there was necessarily a point. I just think, again, I don't think it was supposed to be anything more than a surprise. Right. Like, oh, here's yeah. the last person you expected to fall in love with. But there is a lot of stuff in the movie that kind of implies that, like. This this wasn't like a marriage that happened a couple years ago for a year. Like when they were younger, whatever happened to Cher's Cher's mom died, right? Like 
when she was she talks about that she he, she died when she was five and then she he married uh paul rudd's mom mm-hmm. so you figure Cher is maybe i don't know six seven or eight and paul rudd at that point is like i don't know 18 19 um <laughs> and and so like but these are like kids living together. It it would have seemed less less creepy if it had been like, oh yeah, I married uh, I married Paul Rudd's mom for a year, a couple years back, and we got divorced and didn't work out. Like they were together while she was a child. Well, they while, while they were both children, or uh, like or like I was married to I was married to his mother while you were at boarding school. You guys never met. Like at least that level of distance. Yeah. But it's it's when they 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 already have sort of a settled in um, brother sister banter. He's teasing her about her weight or her gaining weight. Yeah. Um, which w- before you know that he's gonna he's gonna uh, make a move on her, you're like, oh, that's just a thing siblings do. They make really rude comments to each other. Well, and it's not. It doesn't have that moment where it's like, oh, when I'm, you know, when I met my step sibling, we were both of similar age and close to adulthood. And, oh, th- this person's very attractive. Like, what what happened in this movie? And I'm going to describe it. It's kind of gross. Is like, at some point, Paul Rudd got older, went through puberty, and uh, Cher is still a child. <laughs> and Paul went out in the world and met girls and got attracted. And at some point, he was like, oh, hey, wait. That person who, who I've known since she was five got super hot. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, that is that's that's worse. That's not good. And again, they're they're twenty years apart. I think it is weird to use like to grease the wheels with um, the fact that Alicia Silverstone and Paul Rudd are both very attractive. Yeah, I mean that's helpful. And also, you're right. Like it is true that Paul Rudd hasn't aged. Uh, Shauna watched this movie with me, and I'm like, this was 25 years ago. Yeah, she's like, what? (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, it's. uh, it's kind of a creepy mess that the potentially like age of consent questionable steps of links. Weird love story that all these high school kids watched. And now and they I still wonder like this movie, mind you, but it does I do add too. a yeah, couple a layers. Movie. It adds some layers of static that prevents my enjoyment. And I can only assume that this addition was made because this was something that Amy Heckerling personally was into. <laughs> yeah uh i mean Let's there's what, some... what she directed recently let me take a look at her IMDb. Uh, surprised my stepsister in the shower yeah she's only doing what's on the front page of Pornhub right now <laughs> um, good money it, it like is it is, is there a is there a straight line between why that's on the front page of Pornhub right now <laughs> and the <laughs> fact that this movie came out 25 years ago <laughs> Like, Very possibly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the movie that inspired Pornhub. Do you think that the fact that uh, millennials are supposedly killing divorce uh, is going to crash the uh, incest uh, subgenre? Is it going to crash it? Yeah, because there's less divorces, mm-hmm. which means there's less. Well, I think there's just there's less marriage. So there's less stepkids. Yeah, I think there's I think less marriages, less divorces. Yeah, people are going to have to just start dating their actual siblings. <laughs> <laughs> It's the only way. <laughs> the only way to keep up. Yeah, it's called escalation, I believe, in the in the world of economics. But by then, though, people are going to have robot companions. So why bother? Uh, because gotta 
date your siblings if you want to be like Clueless. It's like, yes. <laughs> I wanted to be just like Cher. I wanted to drive a Jeep. I wanted, I wanted to have cool clothes. I wanted to date my brother-in-law. Dan Hedaya's character doesn't seem that reasonable. So even though he likes both of these two people, I would like to see Paul Rudd explain this to a uh, calm, <laughs> calm, supportive Dan Hedaya. <laughs> like, Josh? <laughs> You're 30 <laughs> He comes home from spring yeah. break And treats his house like a spring break <laughs> Yeah it's uh He just hangs by the pool until he finds Someone to have sex with Yeah you know how like some people think ta- the ending of Taxi Driver Is a fantasy right <laughs> The end of this movie where they're kissing at that wedding Is Josh has actually been hung from a tree With two bullets <laughs> in him And this is like his dying thought Is that maybe I'll kiss her at a wedding <laughs> You know how millennials are all, like, still going on spring break in Miami and being terrible? And I'm saying millennials. Yeah, it's it's Gen Z. With quotations around it. Um, Do you think that's the proper way to do spring break during a pandemic is to just hook up with your stepsister (laughs) to stay off the beaches? Yeah, bunker wives, as they call them. Yeah, I mean, if your two choices are kill grandma or bang your step-sibling, I guess I'm going bang your step-sibling. <laughs> but there's got to be a third option. Yeah, I mean... Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, that's so that now we can save that discussion for not the movie. Yeah, uh, we can save that discussion for never. For never. Uh, but yeah, do you guys want to talk more about Clueless? Sure do. It feels like you should have said as if. Oh, as if. <laughs> Molly, do you want to give it give it a go? It sounds really sassy when you say it. <laughs> Just remember, editing happens, so we can make it sound whatever you like. But you have to be disgusted by something. As if. Yeah, it's like as if. There That's go. pretty good. That's pretty good. You are a California girl now, so. <laughs> Born and raised for the last three years. <laughs> Born and raised. <laughs> yeah. We hotboxed Whoa. an old Mazda Miata with a hippie. And speaking of speaking of age of consent loss, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> us some alternate taglines not a sequel to clue <laughs> certainly not i mean it tells you right like it, it's saying clue less there will not be any clue yeah in this movie. It's, it's rare for a title to declare that it has nothing to do with another movie yeah it's like when you see like jawless you're like not about the shark i love so much mm-hmm. uh <laughs> and the movie jawbreaker is not jaws breaker <laughs> yeah that Robert De Niro, Philip Seymour Hoffman movie, Flawless. I knew it wasn't about flaw. <laughs> it's a flaw movie? No, but Flawless is, so I assume. But I know they're not connected, Peter, is what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 because it's less. Of- yeah, all the way. Down to zero. So that's what I got. Peter, what, what the fuck happens in this movie? I'm sure there's a movie called Heartless. Um, Clueless. It's about Claire. Share. <laughs> All right, he's out. Molly, do yeah. you want to give us a recap? <laughs> no, you're doing great. I, I can't speak English. Ugh. All right. There's Claire, Tex, Gumbo, Alice. to say by the Bell characters. They're equally as accurate so far. Uh, God. Okay. Uh, clueless. So, uh, 
Colonel Mustard. <laughs> so uh, in Clueless, uh, Cher is a uh, affluent uh, high school kid who is in the upper echelons of her high school. She's she's a rich, pretty girl. All of her friends are rich and pretty. They only date rich and pretty people. She, in fact, uh, sort of swears off high school boys, except for in rare occasions. Um and she is, is she has a run of the school, and largely this is taking off of Jane Austen's Emma, where she's sort of a matchmaker. Um, and it, it, the story begins with her uh, getting disappointing grades, and you can you sort of get the sense that this isn't the first time she's gotten a C. Um, she's she she's constantly in a sort of state of negotiation with the universe. So she decides that her means to negotiation is not just complaining to the the professor; it's to actually hook up two of her professors so that they're. Uh, sex happy and uh, give out better grades and it works um at the same time uh she meets ty who's a young young no she's the same age um she just seems a lot younger because she's more naive um girl from uh she from she's from california or no she's from uh new york right i mean her accent says new york but it's definitely yeah yeah somewhere somewhere different yeah she's from the east coast california is very different to her um and she's uh has a wholly different style and uh share offers to help her by basically turning her into a mini version of her um takes her to high school parties um sort of takes her under her wing tries to hook her up with a specific guy that backfires she tries to help her get her back on the feet after that so it's sort of it's sort of an episodic movie for large parts of it. Um, it doesn't even feel like a rom-com, even though that's that's how the third act kind of resolves itself. Um, and it sort of shares personal journey into trying to become less narcissistic and less self-focused. Um, well, and there she does end up having a crush in high school throughout the movie who uh, turns out to be gay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Episodic, though. Like, Christian yeah, yeah. doesn't end up being that important to the movie she just sort of finds out that he's gay and then uh, just turns him into one of her friends. One like, of her friends, yeah. It's it's not really that dramatic. He doesn't really, like, have any real impact uh, on the it, third I act. I think it is for Cher. Like, even if it's not, like, bitter, like, she – that was uh, – It's one disappointing the- for her, but the next shot is them at the mall, like, forgiven, yeah. forgotten. Um. So she uh, she she falls in love with her brother-in-law. We've we've discussed this previously. Step so brother. her stepbrother, her, her brother-in-law. Yeah. yeah so weird. Claire falls in love with her brother-in-law. Share <laughs> worse than sleeping with your stepbrother. Yeah. Um. So um. She uh, she falls in love with her stepbrother, um, who is Paul Rudd. So it's forgivable. Um, he is home from college. Uh, he goes to college on the West Coast. I think his his uh, mom is on the East Coast. He's staying with his stepdad, who he still has a relationship with, um, because he'd rather stay in L.A. and stay spring break there than go home to his uh, mom and his new stepdad, who's apparently an asshole. So he's kind of just hanging out by the pool, burning away his spring break, catching up with his sister, watching TV. Um and uh, through all of this sort of hanging out and them, them uh, him picking her up in a bad situation and them sort of bonding through some of the stresses of her being in high school and him, uh, he doesn't really have much, many personal problems that he needs to solve, right? I mean, he has a girlfriend he eventually gets rid of, right? <laughs> uh, I don't know if they, yeah, they went on a date. 
Yeah, it's not like they're solving each other's problems. It's more she he's helping her kind of uh, pick herself back up and, and continue to be the person she is because um, he likes that person. Um, and at the end of the movie, they sort of profess their in a, after a stressful situation, they sort of profess their love for one another. And at the end of the movie, there's a, a marriage between the um, two professors that uh, share hooked up. And uh, at that wedding, we see uh, Paul Rudd and Alicia Silverstone kiss and they play a uh, really boppy 80s song, Tenderness, and uh, the movie's over. Yeah, that's that's pretty close. I think it's, it's, it's very it's very much like a it'll be a good movie to, to get into because it's very much a, a cl- like a cloud of plot points. But yeah, it always has a sort of forward momentum like. The one thing that I really like about this movie that I don't I don't think the rest of the movies in the month are uh, free from, but we'll have to get there, um, is I think these high school movies usually have a second act doldrum. They start strong. They introduce you to this world. They do a lot of world building, establishing all these characters. There's fun parties and good pop music. They're trying to get a sense of energy in you. And in the second act, they kind of have to like create some structure and form and it can feel a little sweaty and then the third act is usually good in these high school movies because now you know where everyone stands you know the central conflict and you need to know where to go this yeah movie is hard to a divide into acts cleanly uh and b um because it's mostly about shares personal growth um and then b uh it has such a tremendous forward momentum that it doesn't it never drags for a damn second. So you never really like, well, why, why did we spend all that time with Christian when all, you know, it came up empty? Yeah. Yeah. Everything it is vignettes. It's a short movie. It's like a hundred minutes and it, it uh, bounces to a lot of different things. So let's, let's talk about why it does that. So Amy Heckerling, who's the director here, uh, big, big, uh, famous director did uh, fast times at Ridgemont high. And and the Fast Time Show, and the Fast Time Show, but so and, Clueless, and the Clueless Show, <laughs> yes. Uh, she but, seems to want to be a TV director more than a movie director. Well, at, well, actually, it's more of the like, uh, hey, uh, women directors in Hollywood, we'll let you direct exactly what you were good at. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, doing this exact same thing. But you're doing this literally the exact same thing. So the studio wanted her to make a high school movie because Fast Times was so popular. She didn't want to make a high school movie. So it was 16 years after Fast Times. She wanted to do something else. So, she, But instead, she ended up going to this L.A. Uh, school, high school, for a day. Kind of similar to the way that Cameron Crowe ended up writing um, uh, Fast Times. Although I don't think she pretended to be a high school kid. But she was like, oh, these kids are the worst. They are idiots. Uh, I'll make a move. I'll make a high school movie if I can make it about how superficial, how their, their their slang doesn't make any sense, how they're kind of just a waste of time. Which is something you know, unfortunately, that every generation thinks about the ne- the pre you know the next generation, where it's like, yeah, I don't like your style, I don't like the words, I don't like your music. You you might as well be aliens from another planet. Um, we we also were already experiencing that, uh, Aaron. You're you as an elder millennial, um, me as a mid midish millennial. Um, yeah. we're we're starting to uh, experience that with millennials turning on Gen Z kids in certain yeah. ways. <laughs> Very much so. Um, it it yeah. seems like it happened pretty early for our generations, though. And, and there's a lot of things that, again, I'm not saying like 
some stuff. I, I think the only difference is for our generation and possibly future generations is that I don't feel like when like if I were to go to a uh, high school right now to potentially find a prom date or whatever, uh, I guess you do when you're an adult at uh, at high schools. Um, you like I think what used to happen is that you'd walk into this mass of, like, the, the next generation conversing and existing and be like, what the fuck is this shit? This is all, <laughs> this is crazy. And I don't think you get that now for at least, like, myself and other people because uh, Peter, I know at least the two of us, we're extremely online people and we're on Twitter and we're on this. So, <laughs> it does help soften that, that curve. So, yeah, like, I may go, this is stupid or... Uh, I can't believe that this is a fad or I can't believe that the zillennials or whatever are doing X, but I, I constantly get a regular influx of what's going on in the, in the next generation just by, by having something, you know, being online and existing in that world where I don't, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I do think you could just be blindsided by fashion trends and slang and stuff like that. So anyways, she thought it was, everyone was dumb. And she wanted to make a movie about it. But true. But she ended up writing a main character that was uh, – she thought it was funny to have a main character who was indefeasible or clueless in that no matter how much things went wrong, no matter no matter when uh, people were mean to her, that she was uh, in a rich, uh, pretty, perfect person's bubble. And so she could move through these, these situations unaffected. Um and then she realized after she had written that first draft or sketch or whatever it was of the character in the movie that she had written the character from Emma. Um, so then she's like, well, I already have a character that kind of matches what was going on in Jane Austen's Emma. So why don't I borrow parts of that structure? So then she goes back and it is a loose adaptation, but adds a lot of the concept of being a matchmaker and a problem solver for other people while ignoring um, – while ignoring her or having her own love life come second. So this is actually a very funny movie where it did not start out as an adaptation of of Emma at all. It's just that uh, Amy Heckerling realized she had written an Emma-like <laughs> character and decided, well, fuck it. That's how I can solve a lot of my pro- plot problems by just taking taking components of this, um, this very well-structured, well-liked, uh, yeah, well liked movie. So, so I have a, I do have some comparisons to Emma. If you, have, uh, if you yeah, like. yeah, I have. No, so I, I, I almost ended up watching the new Emma that just came out last night, and then did not end up watching that. Instead, I uh, was reading some very, I think, very classy literature that I've been been getting into now that I'm home a lot. Peter, just like some of the some of the giants of literature. Um, <laughs> this is only funny for Peter. And for no one else in the world, um, uh, it's it's uh, a, a manga. Um, it's, a, it's a manga that's it's a, uh, it's a manga. Arguably, uh, at times, the least thematic manga. Yeah, I. Uh, like, what's that demon look, thing mean? You're like the demon means the demon. I basically never read a comic book in my entire life uh, until three months ago and decided to give it a whirl. And now I'm in volume 18 of a 40 volume series of a Japanese manga that spanned 30 years. So things can happen when you go outside of your comfort zone. But I, so I didn't end up watching New Emma. I still really want to. But yeah, I um, 
Peter, I never read the book. I haven't seen the Gwyneth Paltrow movie from 1996 that I know is very well liked. So what's uh, – first of all, have, you, have either of you guys seen any of the, either the new one, old one, read the book? I'm familiar with the story a little bit. Just so, enough so no? Uh, no. no um, but I'm, I'm familiar with the story. Molly, you're, you've never read it and you've mm-hmm. never seen the Gwyneth Paltrow movie? No. Yeah. Uh, I'm familiar with the story though. So there's there's some comparisons to make. So one, it's about a young woman who fancies herself a matchmaker. The Thai storyline is very much from the book, um, sort of taking on, uh, under, um, which actually, interestingly, in the book, uh, the Cher character is uh, Emma. Um, she's uh, 21, so um, <laughs> would have been appropriate for Paul Rudd. Um, though at that at that time, Paul Rudd would have had to be like 45 yeah. for that to be appropriate. Yeah, like 80. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's a young woman who fancies herself a matchmaker, um it features emma failing her horse riding exam um she almost tramples a bard and then fails to tip her hat to a local magistrate um emma's friend travis shakes a laudanum habit and wins the local skateboarding competition emma marries her brother and everyone agrees it's (laughs) chill emma is courted by a man but quickly ends things when she finds out he is a calvinist and (laughs) unsuitable for marriage and Paul Rudd is in Emma and perennially looks 30. Same age? Yeah. Same age, yeah. You, Jane Austen usually didn't do illustrations, but in this one case it was. <laughs> it was both both a lot of illustrations and a flip book to give motion to Paul Rudd. <laughs> uh, no, I haven't read Emma, um, but I had to pretend I did for the, the sake of the bit. Yeah, no, I, I, I realized it was a bit halfway through and it was a good bit, Peter. Thanks, thanks. Here, hold on. Golf clap. Thank you. The Thank best you. bits have to be explained. <laughs> the best, yeah, the best bits need the person at the end to clarify it was a bit. <laughs> uh, I, well, I don't want people to think that I d- am making up the fact that I read Emma and I thought that skateboarding was in it. <laughs> Here's the thing I'm not sure of, I guess, as someone who has not read Emma, like, do, is there a horse riding competition that she fails? <laughs> also, did you say riding or running? Uh, Emma fails her horse riding exam uh, and almost tramples riding. a bard, failing to tip her hat to a local magistrate. I mean, that could be an Emma. Kill I'm not. Emma. <laughs> See? It's a good bit. Uh, um, uh, yeah, so not Emma. So I do think it's funny, though, that this movie kind of started out as a movie that was supposed to kind of uh, take down the next generation and how vapid they were, and instead became, by the director's own admission, a movie of celebrating them and their esoteric, like esoteric from Amy Heckerling's perspective, ways of acting and behaving, but kind of gives them a uh, sense of... Um, uh, morality and intelligence that uh, definitely does not always cross over to most high school movies that you'd watch. So, uh, yeah, what started as as a as a dunk became a sunk. Yeah, airball. It it just goes to show you though that like the you can never consciously affect a generation. Yeah, I don't think. Um, Without, like, being uh, the president or uh, the president of a, a network, um, I, don't, I, I think uh, being an artist, you can either you, – you put your voice out there, and if it happens to speak to a generation, uh, they will take what they want from it. Um, or if it doesn't speak to that generation, um, they will find some context for it. 
It'll either be a grossly, <laughs> grossly out of touch old man movie, um, or it'll be like, uh, oh, this like a you know like a cute little curio, but it won't change uh, change anything. Yeah, Clueless started off didn't Clueless wasn't her being like, I am gonna glorify a generation. This is gonna be uh, me me touting the greatest generation that ever was. It, it was it was her saying like, oh, th- this this generation's a little silly. I think it would make for a good comedy. And then before she realized it, she was making a movie that was very empathetic to to that generation in such a way that like, yeah. On paper, like I said, on paper, all these characters are fucking annoying. But by the end of the movie, I love all of them. And I also think what's really funny is that at first I thought this was like supposed to be made up and exaggerated. But according to Amy Heckerling, it's not like the the words that people were saying, the style, the general uh, demeanor was like taken almost bit by bit from her. uh, Going to high school and interviewing high school kids in the L.A. area. Uh, I can tell you probably, uh, even though I'm not a scholar anthropologist, I haven't done research at the time, but my guess is that that wasn't representative of how most kids high school from, again, style, word choice, everything else. Like, that feels like very much a L.A. rich California thing. And I think what is funny is, is, as um, Molly said earlier, that... But, but what started as a takedown of something that was, I think Amy Hackerling maybe assumed to be more general, but it was super specific. She instead expanded that entire subculture into like something that was aspirational for people across the country and how they talked, uh, their style and everything else. So not only can you not like predict the winners, uh, she like in a lot of ways was her own like – She's the one that made the thing that she initially hated the the way it was across the country. Yeah. And let's and, and Amy Heckerling is a great director. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, there's a couple duds in her filmography, like European Vacation. Look who's talking. The look who's talking movies. Loser. And by duds, I mean, like movies that aren't very good. Both of the look who's talking movies and European Vacation made money. Look who's talking made a zillion dollars. It's sort of like three men and a baby where you're like, it made what? Um, I mean, it's basically like, again, she's a good director, but it's basically two good movies. Like we said, them. Fast Times at Richmond High and Clueless. Like the other movies are not good. But yeah, she again, she didn't want to do this movie. It was like, well, go do. You did look who's talking. Great. Like, go do go to another high school thing, I guess. And she's like, fuck you. Let me do do something else. Um, Her perspective on it does explain how. Uh, Cher is introduced. So Cher is introduced in an excellent montage of talking about her life. Uh, she shows off her massive house and it's sort of taken as a, a joke about how rich she is, which mind you, um, I went I went to a somewhat affluent high school um, and I saw a lot of rich kids houses and I maybe saw one rich kid's house that rivaled what, what Cher has. There was one kid I knew too that like had an indoor pool that kind of looked like their pool. <sighs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, like there were a lot of rich kids, believe me, but not, <laughs> no like Beverly Hills level. Like this is a different level of affluence. And so the reason that like 
she seems to be showing off her wealth early on is because um, Cher has such a sense of entitlement and is so loaded that it doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to like dawn on her that like this might be um, <laughs> incredibly arrogant an incredibly arrogant way to start her story but the pro- but the thing is when you have Alicia Silverstone and the great the great scripting going on and the fact that she's like helping people out in the first 20 minutes um, you get one over like Mo- Molly what do you think of Cher is Cher annoying oh yeah yeah <laughs> for sure I don't know I struggle a little bit with the, the whole concept that she's a better person by the end i i don't actually <laughs> believe that at her i don't buy it either no i don't i don't believe that you want to believe that because paul rudd fell for her mm-hmm. and paul would never fall for a terrible person right yeah he wouldn't do that to us but i no i think she's selfish and um Aaron, I see your earlier points about her attempting to do good things, but at the core of all of those things was something much more self-serving, right? I mean, her her giving to charity was trying to make a boy like her. Her taking... Not just any boy. Right. Her, um, her taking the girl... What is... Uh, Ty. Yeah. Brittany her, Murphy. Yeah. Her share taking Ty under her wing is not actually an attempt to make life better for her. And the concept that any other person is your project comes from a place of <laughs> ego, yeah. right? Like what? You're, that's not. A that's that's fair. Favor. Yeah. Um, even like you're not a therapist. You didn't go to school for this. Like you don't. You're not actually operating in a at a, a a helpful perspective. Like you're right in the guts and saying you're gonna fix this person's life. No, imagine meeting another person who you just think is so tragic that they must need <laughs> your company to ever survive here without your guidance. Um, don't don't love her. But she realizes that was a mistake, right? Because at the end. She is like, oh, yeah, you should probably just date Travis. I'm sorry I kept you guys away from so she long. Does, like, that although is she also decides she's going to pursue Paul Rudd only after Ty expresses interest in him. It's a good point. She, I can see her growing up. Uh, Molly, I'm not sure. Have you seen Parasite? Yeah. Yeah, we, saw, yeah we saw it in theaters. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I can see her growing up to be like the matriarch of the rich family where like – in theory, she's nice and she tries to help out people, but just the fact that she's so oblivious to the world around her and, like, offers her help in a way that is um, self-serving, like, it's where you, you take a, in theory, like, oh, she's a nice lady, to a to a villain. By the end of the movie, when you kind of expose all of her uh, prejudice and inaction and the way she doesn't, like, view certain things, like, I could see Cher growing up to be... Uh, to be that. Right. Like the, the friend's mom who you think is super cool and hip to the times, but then the older you get, you realize they treat, you know, she treats your friend like garbage and tells her she's fat. Yeah. And so she, yeah, she grows up to be Amy Poehler and Mean Girls. <laughs> except less fun. She's a cool mom. <laughs> she says it. So she has to be. So the, yeah, Cher objecting to Ty dating Josh is, um, man, we just got, that was a sentence right there. Uh, Cher objecting to Ty dating Josh. I mean, at least you got all the names right. Yeah. (laughs) On the grounds that they're incompatible. 
Um, yeah. And then you can see sort of Alicia Silverstone carrying a lot of the weight there in that one moment um, where she's like, no, like you guys just you're not a good fit for one another. Um, not that they're years apart in age um, because they're because uh, Ty and uh, Cher are essentially the same age. Um, and, and that moment when Alicia Silverstone is starting to realize she's like in that she's like, oh, well, no, you can't have him because he's for me and not in like a. A uh, violent way or an aggressive way, but in a like kind of broke, a uh, heartbroken way. She's like, no, like I, I'm protecting you. You can't, <laughs> you can't steal what's mine from me. And, and then the two prongs off of this point is one, Aaron, you're so right that it, it feels like Cher in another movie would be the villain, and you know, that's why they don't make high school movies about the rich, hot, popular girl as the the hero uh, as much anymore. Um, it's just, it's just not it's, it's not the way we. Well, and, and again, not to reiterate a point over and over, but they didn't plan to make this one about that either. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, it just ended up being that. And then yeah. two um, was that uh, Alicia Silverstone is so good in this movie, and she's, she's a so big good reason. In this movie. She is the reason why the script sings. So the the reason that uh, in the first twenty minutes we find uh, shared both. Uh, confounding and irritating and like elitist uh, but also like in amazingly charming is the same sort of uh, energy that uh, Reese Witherspoon gave to uh, in Legally Blonde um, where it's yeah. like it, this mix of and obviously the character in Legally Blonde uh, especially as like the sequel would would sort of carry that forward um, would go on to do good in the world or whatever but you get the sense that her character would be like a oblivious to would still have huge blind spots right um but the point is not that she's like a great person it's that she's a good person who's much smarter than she's given credit for um in in Cher's world as well it's like she has a different kind of intelligence than you know uh perfect act score kind of uh character she has like an emotional intelligence she knows how to read people she knows how to like weave in and out of social groups and um alicia silverstone sort of balances that act of both being at the top but also like blending in and out of people so well yeah and and she is really great in this movie and and some of the some of the answer to this question i'm gonna pose is like because of the way hollywood like gives up on uh on women actors very quickly if they can't sustain hits and uh the other answer is that just sometimes people when you when you when your first acting role or your second acting role in this case like is something that becomes kind of an iconic performance it can be hard to break away from it but ultimately like it is it is interesting that like hollywood never was able to figure out alicia silverstone um like you know it tried for a while with some some like blast from the past or excess baggage and batman or and robin done for the show yeah exactly batman, batman and robin, robin. <laughs> like and they just could not quite figure it out and then they of course i mean they gave up really quickly but what's interesting is that like she has been popping up and stuff more recently like uh you you saw the killing of a sacred deer right peter oh yeah that was a weird stunt casting bit she's really good in it though she's like really good like she, that's she not a movie i that weirdness perfectly that's not a movie i'm like 
fully on board with um to 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 quote former guest ethan warren it it is uh i don't know if i like it but it definitely is my favorite movie where uh colin farrell describes jerking off his own dad um (laughs) um, but top three (laughs) yeah it's the only one i can think of uh but yeah i'm not a huge fan of that movie even though i like a lot of yorgos's other other stuff but um but like she's so good in that movie that it made her like, and it was I think it was the first time I I've ever seen her not do share as an actor right like uh, excess baggage and um, blast from the past and a lot of these other things were like still god damn it okay those movies were still like her kind of doing share a little. Um, a little older, but still kind of that... A, a riff on Cher. A riff on it, like a bubbly uh, person. And this time it was like a depressed alcoholic single mom. And she was really, really good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I For a moment in the mid-2000s, like... Uh, oh, sorry. A moment like 10 years ago, let's say. Um, she was on Children's Hospital for one episode. And I was like, holy shit, is Alicia Silverstone just back and game to do whatever she can? Like, is she just going to show up and stuff like Children's Hospital and Adult Swim and like Killing of a Sacred Deer uh, many years later from 2011, uh, 2017, uh, that, that was also sort of operating in that mold where she's like willing to go to weird places and follow the the direction of uh uh, strange creatives, uh, David Wayne and uh, Yorgos Lenthimos. Um, but like, I would love if her her filmography was just dotted with like her being like, I'm willing to go as weird as you want. I need to completely divorce you from the fact that I'm share just long enough for my career to to sort of uh, pivot into uh, newer, uh, more adventurous things. But yeah, it made it, it made it clear that her range, there, but, you know, it's just not it's, it hasn't clicked. And it's 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 sad. Yeah, I made it clear that her range was only limited by the stuff she got cast in. Yeah, you know, it's not because she's turning down everything, right? Because the stuff she does select is so weird. Yeah. Did you uh, did you grow up with any sort of appreciation for Alicia Silverstone as a late 90s sort of icon or because I feel like my brother and my sister both had a poster of her on on their walls. I think I was a little bit too young for that. Just just slightly like old enough to see the movie, obviously, as I grew up, but not by then. Right. By by the time I would have watched and understood this movie, she would have been seven to ten years older yeah. past this role but she makes she she makes the movie like she is she takes a movie that is um largely making fun of this character um and then finds a sympathy in the character and that's that's wonderful um paul rudd is playing paul rudd right like sweet affable i mean he he has a few moments where he's playing like uh a more pretentious version of himself um, which sort of, you know, detracts from the Paul Rudd, you know, every man charmingness. The This is the only good uh, Brecken Meyer performance or as my phone changed it to, I swear to God, Brecken Ridge Meyer. <laughs> Brecken Ridge Meyer. That, that's when he, uh, he he tries to appeal to the hipster generation by getting really into nature. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's good in this. Jeremy Sisto is so good as uh, as Elton, the asshole. Like, and then he, Jeremy Sisto just played this character for the rest of his career. Oh my god, yeah, dude! He was uh, um, he was even this character in the coolest the coolest movie he was ever in, 
um, is May, uh, the Lucky McKee movie. Um, and uh, yeah, he's, he played, he's good May. And, and in May, it's essentially showing how a Jeremy Sisto type uh, would react in a horror movie. Yeah, there's and there's one person that I think none of us like seeing on screen anymore. And that's Stacy Dash. Stacy Dash, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because uh so Molly, I don't, do you know what Stacy Dash is now? No, I don't. She is a crazy Fox News type uh contributor and conservative. Oh no. How do they find these people? Like how do they how do they find these surgical strikes of like people that you're like yeah they were pretty good in that one thing and, and then like give them careers for 20 years like Victoria Jackson like I think they'll just take anyone that approaches a celebrity cuz they need I their own think, celebrities I just think that Republicans are willing to take whoever they can get so they're just this sieve and uh if if you're just just obtuse enough where uh you're not going to have an actual hollywood career um but you're willing to say deplorable shit on fox news like, for money every year you're, you're willing to say like obama's the real racist yeah you if money. you're willing to be uh, a person of color on tv uh talking shit about uh the democratic party not standing up enough for people of color uh because the republican party is really where it's at yeah like that's that's a it's a career that's a dis- that's a disgusting way to make your living. All the actors in this movie, from Turk, JD's friend, in Scrubs, uh, to to uh, all the great adult characters, Wallace Shawn, Dan Hedaya. I think all of them are dwarfed by the the centerpiece <laughs> in the movie, the star making performance uh, from uh, a little band called the Mighty Mighty Bostones. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching this movie. I had no idea that Ska was going to infiltrate. They, I'll tell you what, though. If right now you went to a high school and said a band was going to play the entire time, I think most people would be disappointed. Because you don't go to a high school party or whatever, or dance. I know it's just a party. And uh, and get, like, a band. Because you're going to be hearing one sort of music the entire time. I guess maybe if you get a huge band, great. That's why I people do. love. Co- that's why like college kids love cover bands. Love cover bands because they're gonna play all your favorite songs. There was this band that did like fucking whatever style you wanted, and they were huge in like the Indiana Bloomington party scene. And then like they were you talking about the Johnny Home Band? No, they were. That was that was our that was like the the North Dakota Minnesota group that did that. Yeah, and they they would come to Chicago every so often if they could sell it out, and then it would just be like a huge party in a bar, basically, when it would happen, Um, because, like, for whatever reason. Yeah, like, people love bands that can play all sorts of music, but you're right. Like, the idea of going to play see one band that would play one style of music and wouldn't be good is... And let's be clear, the band in in question is the Mighty Mighty Bostones, pre the impression that I get. So you're getting, like... Not their popular album, which came out two years after this movie, uh, that had a song that people knew. But you're playing, like, the shitty, like, back of skateboard uh, magazine, Mighty Mighty Boston, sell our albums on. Yeah. Uh, and this type. is sort of like ska music, when ska music was still as- associated with the swing, the swing band. Oh, this um, is pre, no, 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 this is like pre- Swing band. So Mighty Mighty Boston's actually looked some of this stuff up. I did have that album that everyone had. 
Um, but they are actually uh, one of the people, one of the groups that is credited with bringing, with creating the the California early '90s ska punk movement. That they uh, their first album came out in 1989. It was is still like considered a. I'm, I'm, there's so many air quotes and everything I'm saying here. I want to be clear, but like <laughs> a classic of the genre and like led to the Sublimes and the other ones. So this is way before swing. Uh, so yeah, they were they were kind of big in this area and were like considered cool before that kind of like they, uh, yeah, but they were one of the progenitors of it and <laughs> as in uh, the progenitor virus from Resident <laughs> Evil. I, I know, I know you like when I say the word, Peter. Um, <laughs> but the uh, the other I thing that source. the other thing that. I really like so we can say the mighty mighty Bastos, clear stars of Clueless. I think everyone agrees. No argument from anyone in the world. But if we're going to get any more specific, uh, like first of all, you're high school kids. You're like, can we get a band where the lead singer looks like he's going to eat us the entire time? <laughs> um, that's that's tough to find. They found it here, but I think really who they give the most screen time to in the mighty mighty Bastos is just the guy who dances. <laughs> which was a, a big part He's of dynamic. ska bands. He moves. It was a big part of ska bands where they would be like, and the Mighty Mighty Bustles, I looked this up, they had three guys in the band who just who just danced on stage. That was their job. They did this, they wore suits, and they did that kind of like thrusting dance for two hours every show that they, they played. And um, I got to know, Peter, since Charlie was in a ska band, did they have a dancing guy? <laughs> I always forget that little tidbit. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about second time around. My brother's ska band. He played gigs in Aurora, Joliet, never Chicago. I, so I do, getting back to this movie, I really do love Wallace Shawn and uh, Dan Hedaya. Dan Hedaya is like one of the best high school movie dads because he's playing a Dan Hedaya type who's just angry and everything he sounds out. He's a fucking like trial lawyer. <laughs> like a trial lawyer. But he does like, he also doesn't like, they could have really Dan Hedaya up where he's constantly mad at Cher, doesn't care about Cher, is kind of a, a shitty, neglectful father. And he's not. Like, he's he not. Def- he's actually a, a good father to a stepchild that is not related to him. Yeah, he's still, I mean, Dan Hedaya can't, can't help that that's the way he talks. Like, so, <laughs> like, it's not his fault he always sounds angry. Um, but, uh, but he, yeah, he really does, like, you know, he gets, like, frustrated here and there, but, um, you know, he's in, he wants to make sure she has good grades, but also recognize that the world is more than grades and there's other skills that can be valuable. And, you know, even though it's a very funny line when, like, I couldn't, I couldn't be more proud of you than if you had earned these grades yourself. <laughs> like, I do think what he's teaching is a, is a, is a practicality, which is not something that a lot of uh, parents, uh, I think, are good at it at that age. Like, well, we just – this is a, a letter that tells us whether we're doing good as parents or not. And everything else around that doesn't matter as long as the, the letter's there. And I think, you know, yeah, Dan Hedaya does good. The other really good parents that we're going to talk about this month is Easy A. I don't know if you remember. I don't. Uh, I think it's Stanley Tucci and um, uh, the, the main character, for, uh, Patricia Clarkson. Yeah, they are straight up like whatever 10 or 15 year uh, gap between when I've seen that movie. 
Oh, yeah, but they are, I mean, I, I saw it actually, I, I watched it about a year ago, just, uh, I was like, I remember liking this, this will be a good, like, I don't want to pay attention to something new, but they're they're great parents in it as well. And, Spoilers, but I think, good parents. Good parents. But I think that's rare, like, I um, I, I think high school movies, depending on how they want to play the, the perspective of the character, is a lot of times they come from, like, a family that's not supportive, or a wrong side of the tracks family and stuff like that. That is like so many of our protagonists in high school movies. Like Ferris Bueller's parents don't even exist as far as we know. <laughs> not, it's not in that movie at all. Never had any. <laughs> he, has a, he has a sister. And the best thing we can say about Ferris Bueller is that unlike some high school movies, he doesn't end the movie by dating his sister. <laughs> you just and one uh, clueless. Um, the uh, but yeah, Dan Hedaya is amazing in this, and and I think that that's something that a lot of um, comedy scriptwriters don't understand is that adding a little bit of complexity to your character can make it much funnier. The contrast between him being a sweet father who has uh, pretty reasonable expectations of his child, but not no expectations, um, yeah. mixed with this rageaholic whose <laughs> job it is is to be angry, uh, is is pretty 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 amazing like the, the the way they thread that needle in dan hedaya's game for it is is wonderful and while and while we're talking about a wall of sean um he's playing a wall of sean type um he played a lot of them in the 90s um and that that sort of like sweetness but like i i do have standards i'm not a pushover um that that sort of balance is is especially lovely as the movie goes on because you just get to see walsh on happy and uh getting to see walsh on happy is tr- truly a asset for any movie i am double checking this but i am pretty sure that wallace sean was one of the people that went over to the tv show and it looks like i'm incorrect wait maybe there's a television section oh wait yeah, he uh, yeah he was on Clueless, the TV show. I, did you guys watch Clueless, the TV show? No. I don't even know who the lead is. So it's, uh, it's Cher, played by... Oh, sorry, uh, actor, yeah. Yeah, played by uh, Rachel Blanchard, hmm. who uh, the best the best thing that I could say uh, uh, you may know her from is from the pilot of Flight of the Concords. I forget. You don't like Flight of the Do you like Flight of the Concords or no? I do. I'm just not obsessed with it. Okay. Okay. You can that's, draw what, that's what it is. Uh, in that first episode where he sings the most beautiful girl in the room, that's Rachel Blanchard. She's been in a bunch of stuff. She does kind of look like Cher. Oh, yeah. Got it. Understood. Um, and this ran that, for 62 episodes? Yeah, it was on TJF. I, again, I came out in 96, so... So it's, uh, it's short of being a, you know, a fully franchised show, but Donald Faison is in it, Stacey yep. Dash is in it. Holy shit. Yep, and then they... And Wallace Shawn is in it, and then they... Um, what's funny, though, so I, I think I may have... So I definitely watched Clueless when it was on video, and it was, like, recorded off a of cable. So I was probably a year late to Clueless, so I think I may have saw the show first. So I so Elisa Donovan who plays Amber is like it's like they're three friends, right? It's Cher, Dion, and Amber. Mm-hmm. So when I, I remember watching the movie and being like, where where the fuck did Ty go? Like like I thought that Amber was gonna be a big part of their friendship. And I um 
And she's not. She's just a punchline at a couple different times. Uh, Amber Amber is interesting also because it's like it's more of a rivalry than a, a you know a villainry. Um, uh, Amber and her are in many ways foils to one another. Like they're kind yeah. of just riffs on the same kind of thing. Like they dress very similarly. Um, they're both clearly rich. They date a lot of the same people. It's just it's not it's not Amber's stories. It's kind of if yeah. What if uh, what if. Cher didn't even have like the attempt to do some good in the world. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like the fact that we're viewing this from Cher's perspective. Um, what if Amber's off doing her own thing, but Cher's like just you know hand waving it away? I mean, again, I'm basing this a little on the TV show, but she was not doing good things. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it, yeah, it makes it's a it's a no brainer that Amber would be in the in the show because you need a source of conflict for tv right like you need like somebody for the characters not to like <laughs> that's like their friend but their shitty friend yeah yeah um and then yeah i think we're i think we're we're sort of heading towards the end but let's talk about Brittany murphy like this is it's really that's a really sad thing when you're watching it because you're like oh Brittany murphy i love her and then you have to like correct it to past tense i loved her <laughs> i loved her <laughs> but i don't anymore yeah. Um, yeah. I uh, so she said the line that scared me the most. Uh, that I probably should. I feel weird saying, but I'm gonna say. Um, there's there's a so again. I'm 13, right? My any all I know is that I'm starting to think like girls would be nice to have some like to 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 have dates with and do things with and you know how how am I gonna make that work out? Probably not. Uh, I had a part down the middle and long hair and. I think I probably looked ridiculous and, and had braces and not great. Um, and then there's a there's a line that Ty says that was like um, when they're talking about what kind of penises they like. <laughs> and she's like, you know, says she doesn't care for crooked ones. And I'm not saying mine is or isn't. <laughs> I'm just saying that I remember being very worried that it would somehow get crooked at some point <laughs> in my life and know that even if no one even if no one said to my face they didn't like my penis that I had seen clueless and knew they were not fans. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very specific. Yeah, you're yeah. Well, I just I never heard I, I didn't I didn't the I, the concept of girls complaining about a s- penis types was terrifying to me. Yeah. Like and that's Jared, that. I don't know that they really get into it all. How either Ty is just a liar or has really gotten around for a fifteen-year-old girl in the <laughs> which no she's from New York. Yeah. So there's a, there's a joke in this movie um, that Amber is like a Monet, and from afar it looks good, but you get up close. And so, um, so in this case you were worried that your dick was going to be a picasso where yeah. from afar it looks good but you get close and you pull out your your uh, protractor and your compass and it just you knows the angles yeah don't line up. i want i wanted to make sure it was constantly at a 183 <laughs> flat plane um no more like obviously that's what she's complaining about my concern was that my penis someday was going to be judged in a group setting yeah um, yeah yeah that's it just a, didn't occur to me that that was going to be a thing that could happen like now looking back or even getting to the age of high school and having just friends that exist like yeah when 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 friends actually started having sex in high school uh 
and then I start having like yeah that ends up being something that you know that everyone's talking about right because it is the most interesting thing that's like they're not talking about what they learned in fucking social studies earlier in the day that that's what they're talking about but at like you know 12 never been kissed like well what's gonna happen later in my life and like taking way too much internally in these high school comedies i was watching i'm like oh fuck but that's that's i mean we all we we all did it to some degree but it is like a weird uh try to straighten your penis i think penis shaming is a weird taste of uh that the only taste really that men get uh, th- it's that in shortness versus tallness that men get of the insane standards that women are yeah. up to which is yeah. like uh low-key comments made in a million comedies just internalize and warm their way into the into the the, the loam of uh of, of their personalities um so like men it, for men it's pretty much just whether or not you're tall and your penis is the right kind of penis <laughs> i totally get it i remember being like watching a high school comedy and everyone's laughing and then looking around the room and be like does, does, is, does that apply to my penis that no one can see right now <laughs> uh, oh, it is six one tall enough <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that that uh, yeah you're you're 100 right though like so many movies are about this girl's too, like has the has the 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 male characters going like like looking at a bunch of uh model attractive sta- you know women and like judging all the different flaws about them and like that's the movie like like fucking they made a whole movie that was a box office hit called shallow hell where fucking jason alexander is like i'm pretty specific uh, of all the things i want my women to look like uh and, and the, jack the plot twist is that he has a tail <laughs> Yeah, like that he shouldn't have been judging people because he has a tail. They should have been a crooked penis. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) but it is. uh, But you're right. Like that is the reason that that was so surprising to me after seeing you know X amount of years of movies was it was like oh wait men can be judged. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a man. (laughs) It must be hard. I don't want to be held to any standard. Yeah, this is a good episode, I think, where two tall white guys complain that maybe someone said bad things about their penis once. <laughs> I think it's uh, universal, going to be universally accepted. Yeah, it's a great episode to have my wife on as well. Uh, I didn't want to not say the thing I wanted to talk about. <laughs> and I, I appreciate your lack of... Lack yeah, of I mean, control. I'm just talking about how sometimes the way that people are judged is... Uh, yeah, can, can affect. Yeah, it, it is. It is like it is a window. Um, you can either view it as an anxiety point in a way to uh, to um, grow distrustful of women, which a lot of incels do, uh, or you can use it as a means of connection and all the crazy ways that society sets up standards for ourselves and that we should be happy with, you know, the way we were made. Um, but I feel like when you're 13, you're just like, no, no I got a weird dick. <laughs> Well, we can move right along. Uh, I do think it's I do think it's cool that Cher is both sex positive but a virgin. Like, yeah, and same thing with D. That the the idea that they're like, I drew a boundary. This is where my boundary is. I'm saving it. But like, you can fuck around. I don't have any judgments about that. And the movie genuinely seems to not have judgments about it. Like, there's a few moments where it's shocking, uh, like the penis moment. Um, but the movie seems to carry sort of Cher's perspective that like. Sex is awesome. Sex is great. But like my virginity has value to me. So I would like to save it for somebody. And also, I do like the scene where she's describing uh, the way that men dress in high school or did in this, you know, like with with the baggy pants and everything else. And it's like, you think I'm going to like what physical connection am I going to have to these losers? <laughs> like, which is why she, like, which is so funny because I I had 
Some, I, I don't think I ever had Jinko brand because I wasn't that rich. Like, sorry, my family didn't shop at Montgomery Wars. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know what any of those words mean. So, any final thoughts on Clueless? Clueless is a great way to kick off this month because it, it's incredibly iconic. While it's incredibly iconic, I think there's like pieces of the discussion in the movie that like are not necessarily thought of uh, at first glance and your memory of the movie might have failed you. Um, and that's why I was glad we, we were able to kind of return it and like think about it in a more critical fashion and like compare it to how high school movies have aged. And in some sense, what we're going to see, I think, is in certain ways, these tropes have not gone away. It's just how they've been manipulated has gone away. So like the share character still exists in many ways um, because we want to see our leads in high school movies to own high school, to be ambitious, um, to uh, toot around, change relationships with people, um, feel like movers and shakers and not just be a cog in the wheel um, in these high school comedies. Um, whether or not they're specifically the rich kid, no, they're usually like middle class, upper middle class. Um, and then there's a lot richer kids that are usually the villains. Um, but the uh, the specific way that Cher kind of bounces around social groups and the groups are sort of still stratified, it's like even after Mean Girls, you figure Mean Girls would kind of kill that that dead. Mean Girls actually just codified uh, what, what what Clueless had set up. Um, so, yeah, we uh, we're going to have an interesting month here because the, the the genre has a lot of similarities. But the way that the character dynamics change from movie to movie are super different. Yeah, well, and this also um, kicked off this trend of, like, taking classic literature and making a high school movie around it, even though that wasn't intended to do it. This, like, I went and looked and, like, tried to find earlier examples, and there's not. Uh, there's other examples that we're not going to cover, both, like, from the dramatic, like, uh, where they did that uh, movie O with um i remember that josh hartnett that was based on othello which i remember being really good uh when it came out um there's a f and so they they really went to like let set stuff in in high school there's also like stuff that is so bad that we're, we're never gonna cover it like the chris and duds get over it which is based on a mid uh midsummer night's dream but like they really went hard in oh you know what we'll do we're gonna take uh, classic story we're gonna set it in high school and that way we're going to avoid what a lot of high school movies um kind of get dinged for in that they're kind of like plot wise uh empty well how could it be empty if we're taking shakespeare or you know blah 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 and making a movie around it so this was a trend that was kicked off by clueless um and we're going to follow it down some very we, we didn't want to do more than one adaptation by uh, one author, although <laughs> the only author that has like eight entries in this is Shakespeare. Um, but yeah, I think this is, a, this is a great way to kick it off. It was It's a lot of fun. And I think it's going to be uh, one of the uh, three of these movies are great that we're covering, I guess, this month. Uh, but uh, one one's not very good, Peter. <laughs> one's not very good? Yeah. Do you know which one? No. Have you seen all these movies? 10 Things I Hate About You, I've seen Easy A. Oh, you haven't seen She's All That? Uh, no. no. Oh, we're going to have I, some I just fun know there. The, I know the concept of it. It sounds bad. What if someone uh, takes off their glasses and becomes attractive to Freddie Prince Jr.? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> 
Could work. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. Well, you might see it because Peter has to watch it at your home that you're not allowed to leave. Uh, Molly, what are your... (laughs) Yeah, President Trump has said you have to watch all the movies with me. Yeah, until Easter. I guess, I'll tell you what, though. This this episode comes out in May. We're clearly recording it early. So, yeah, if everything was fine by Easter, fuck us, I guess. We were right. We were wrong. Trump was right. Uh, Molly, what are your final thoughts on uh, Less Clue? Oh, boy. I think probably the thing that got me the most heated and is nowhere near as profound as either of the things you two just said is that the clothes worn in gym class would never be allowed in real school. (laughs) And it made me think back to the clothes I had to wear in high school, (laughs) which were just if you can picture, like if you didn't know how to make shorts how you would just like <laughs> draw a pair of shorts and then cut them out and then a box with a V on and it. then make the front the same as the back. So for girls who are like developing and have more of a butt, like your butt doesn't fit in your shorts, then the front just like sags and is all sad. And for boys, it's like the exact opposite problem. Everyone looks terrible. And these girls all get out of gym class looking so cute. And I was very upset. So between that and the rules of consent by state, those were the two probably top <laughs> yeah. things that Peter and I discussed. Molly, do you like this movie anymore? <laughs> I I had remembered it really differently, but it, it was fun to revisit. That that doesn't totally go away, right? Just because you watch something as an adult yeah. and have different feelings about it, it doesn't change that you felt so warmly towards it when you were younger. So it was yeah. it was a fun revisit for sure. It is something, too, I thought about, like, oh, when Maya's old enough to watch this, like, is she going to hate this? Because this feels so <laughs> specific. It may not make any sense, right? No. The, the time period may not really click. I, I think the last act is is going to only become more befuddling as, like, I think, uh, I, I, I think that the Gen Z is doing a better and better job at illustrating to its members what your expectations are within relationships. I don't know whether or not that's going to pan out with time. Only time will tell. But like the expectations on what you can expect in a relationship are, I think, being more codified with Gen Z from my perspective. And so, yeah, I, I think I think that the last act is not going to age well. With, with uh, a, I don't know. They are, they are uh, the next generation is clearly mainstreaming incest porn. So I don't know, Peter. Yeah, maybe um, you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, and but it will be the last generation. So yeah, um, we only so, have the aliens to judge us. After uh, this. this movie does do something that uh, will I think make all '90s movies uh, make people cringe is that they drop a drop a hard R in there. Oh yeah. Um, doesn't Where, she say it? Doesn't she drop the hard R to Wallace Shawn, who's just like, hmm, no, yes. to to no, it's when she's walking with Alicia Silverstone. She's like, I'm not going to do that. Like some kind of, oh, which you, like now they would be like, ever all, Alicia Silverstone would be like, yeah, we don't talk that way here. We find other ways to tear people down. It is like though. It'd be like if I was watching. Um, a movie from the 80s called, say, like, Soul Man, where someone puts on blackface to become a basketball player. But oh, instead yeah. of it's just in Soul Man, it's in most movies where a character puts on blackface. <laughs> and I'd be like, ha! Huh, you that's... know, Aaron, <laughs> what were we watching that they uh, dropped a hard... Uh, well, that's the thing. That hard, we were doing... a hard F. 
It was uh, Anna Hardar was uh, was rookie of the year. Oh yeah, like which is like this PG nineteen ninety four like kids movie, Sterile. and they're constantly calling. Like I haven't seen Sandlot in a while, but I guarantee they're dropping hard R's. <laughs> it's, it's in the sixties, okay. Yeah, Dennis Leary's fine. in the movie. He's not going to listen to your your PC malarkey. But I do think that people watching this will be like, well, first of all, it's all weird. He's calling his girlfriend woman. Like, not a fan of yeah all this. Like, and then all of a sudden, whoa, what? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The gonna... uh, it, it's it, it made me laugh just with how shocking it was. It did too. Um, Sean and, and I both burst out laughing because it was like, what? And it I, we had that same reaction with Rookie of the Year, where it was like, what? It would be it would be the same reaction if Brittany Murphy just started actually vomiting in the middle of a scene. Where I'm just like, wait, where did that come from? Yeah, it's good these things change, but it's uh. It's sometimes very shocking reminder of how, like, I'm sure that they could have done that in a G-rated movie. No one would have been like, oh, that's that's language. Yeah. <laughs> like, that we have to mark towards a rating. Anyway, yeah, so next week we are doing She's All That. Uh, and then the following week we are doing 10 Things I Hate About You with uh, returning guest Liam Haber. And wrapping up the month with Easy A with guest joey lee so this is gonna be a fun month even though there's no school actually uh there's there's just like there was no march madness there was march maxness there's no school but there is fancy school which is what aaron and peter are covering um, yeah we're we're picking up the slack you know if teachers don't want to teach we're gonna teach they, yeah they don't want to teach because they don't want to die hmm Here's the thing about recording this early. We you may have to edit out a lot of these jokes because it's gonna get so much sadder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, with that, good night, good. Uh, Peter. Good night, Molly. Great talking to you. Yeah, you too. Good catching up. Yeah, yeah, catching up about one specific thing <laughs> <laughs> about uh, age of consent. Uh, crooked Just making Peter. sure you still believe in it. Crooked penises <laughs> and the 1995 movie Clueless. Uh, good night. Good night. Thank you so much for listening to We Love to Watch. If you made it to the end, hopefully you liked what you heard today. And if you'd like to hear more, please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch. And if you can chip in a few bucks, that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward. Uh, it wasn't an implicit threat by Peter. He just didn't know how to say it. But either way, we'll continue to make more. But it would be helpful uh, as we explain to our loved ones where all our money is going, which is all on server space. Uh, <laughs> if you can't, <laughs> uh, if you don't have a few bucks to chip in, we totally understand. And you want to support the show. We truly, absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on iTunes. I know every podcast says it, and it's because it really does help. And so every podcast wants that help. So please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically, they hopefully want to tune in and listen. And thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years. Uh, we really do appreciate you uh, with kisses and smooches, Peter and Aaron. <laughs>